Welcome to the Watch More Books podcast. On this podcast, we read the books and compare them to their media counterparts, whether it's a movie or TV show or even an eight-episode series on Netflix. We will look at the similarities and the differences and ultimately determine which was better, the book or the movie. On today's episode, we will be reviewing Rebecca by Daphne DeMore. And I just have to say that recording this episode was just as hard as getting through the book. What I mean by this is that um, the first half of this book is really boring. It is the whole reason why I don't have a co-host for this podcast at the moment is because this was the first book that, you know, sparked the entire show that I wanted to put on. But since the book was so hard to get through, so difficult to keep reading the first half of the book that the co-hosts and stuff that I would ask, hey, you want to do this podcast with me and whatnot, they they themselves could not finish the book. It was just, it was so hard to get through the first half of the book because this author is overly descriptive. As a writer and author myself, I know how important it is to describe, you know, things around you and movements and whatnot to really give context to the book and the environment and all that stuff. But this author goes really deep into it and like in the in the in the first half you know by the time they get to Manderley and stuff you know she gets really involved into describing you know the flowers and all that kind of stuff and it just it's way too much description and then there's not a whole lot going on so it's just really hard to get through the first half of the book but once you do once you get to I think it's like chapter 17 then stuff starts hitting the fan and that is the good part of the book and watching the movie and stuff they really focused a lot on the second half of the book whereas they left out a lot in the first half of the book now i've listened to other podcasts that um also do the same thing they read the book they watch the movie they compare there's only like two or three of them out there that i've found but um, most of them that I have listened to only compared it to the Alfred Hitchcock version of the movie, which, you know, was much older, was made, I think, in like the 60s or 70s. But anyways, Alfred Hitchcock did a very good job at sticking to what was in the book and going that way. The version that I'm going to compare it to is the 2020 Netflix movie starring Lily James and Army Hammer. So this movie was directed by Ben Wheatley and if you're going on you know the book versus the movie and in my case i go over which one told the story better you know the overall impact of the story and seeing as the first half of the book was really difficult to get through it was hard to it did not capture your attention but the first chapter kind of you know sat there and made you go like what because in the first chapter of the book, you know, you can tell that this person is recalling something called Manderly again in a dream. And I'm sitting there going, okay, is this supposed to be a place, a person? What the hell is Manderly? And it's like not until, you know, the end of chapter one, closer to chapter two, that you're like, oh, it's a house, it's an estate. And I'm sitting there thinking that, you know, she's dreaming of this childhood home that she lost to the wilderness and it's describing it. 
kind of something out of a horror movie, you know, with vines and all this stuff growing on it. So you think that the house still exists, that maybe it was just taken away because of some tragedy, like, you know, family dying or whatnot, or they couldn't afford it anymore. But, you know, it, it doesn't allude to it being how the movie, how, how the book ends. It doesn't allude to that. It doesn't talk about, you know, the ashes or anything like that. But another thing that irritated me about the first half of the book, and I understand why the author had done this, but the narrator of this story, the main person, the overall person that you're following, whose head you're in, doesn't have a name. And it's something that really irritated me because you're sitting there like, okay, what do I call this person? Do I call her the narrator? Do I call her... You know, Mrs. De Winter. I mean, it doesn't even give her a maiden name, really. Like, you know, whatever. Mrs. Van Hopper, this lady she works for, just calls her child or girl or, you know, any other name under the book except for her actual name. It's something that really irritated me. And then, like, later on in the book, they just call her Mrs. De Winter. And it's like she has no self-identity. And I know the author did this because the main focus was supposed to be on, well, what the book was named after. Rebecca, Max de Winter's first wife. And, you know, they don't even bring up Rebecca until the second half of the, or into the second chapter, and they describe her husband. But they jump in in the movie right into the introduction of Max seconds after introducing Mrs. Van Hopper and she spots him and reserves a table versus spotting him as they were all ready to get their table. Mrs. Van Hopper um, was a crotchety old lady and you know she, she reminds me of a lot of characters I have seen in other movies that are based around the same time frame. I think this is supposed to take place in like the 1920s or whatever. But, you know, she, she is an older lady and she needs a companion. So she pays for, you know, this young child to be with her. And going through the first few chapters and stuff and, you know, it's talking about, you know, the narrator, whatever, Lily James's character. Going on, you know, these romantic dates and stuff, you know, with Max de Winter. And it, it's, it's about chapter 5 when it's finally stated that she's only 21 years old. And she started taking these morning drives and regular lunches with him. And Mrs. Van Hopper was all laid up for only two weeks. And when it gets to the point where it says that she has influenza and she was only down for two weeks in the book, I'm just like, wow. Because the day she gets better, she decides that they're going to up and leave Monte Carlo. And they're going to be going to... America. They're going to go to New York. And Max decides to marry this this girl. And you're sitting there going, wait a second. They've only known each other for two freaking weeks and they're going to run off and get married. You like know nothing about each other. Which explains why everything happens the way it does in the book. Because they had no chance to get to know each other. He never talks about his ex-wife. Or, not his ex-wife, his widow, his dead wife. Never talks about her. He avoids all of it. But, like, in in the book, the, the poem, the poem book about love, that 
uh, Lily James's character finds in in the glove box or whatnot. In the movie, it sits there and he gets all mad and upset and tells her to put it back. Well, in in the the book, he lets her have it and she actually goes up and you know reads through it and sees the beautiful inscription and just go, oh wow, they must have really been in love. And that's just, it was, you know, downplayed. You know, she starts romanticizing and being kind of jealous of the love that they had for each other. But in the movie, it doesn't really play on that. It makes it more of a kind of like a, a horror suspense type feel. And in, in the book, you know, you get this ghostly feeling and stuff, but in the movie, it makes them really actually feel haunted. And I, I, I think that one was better because in the movie, they sit there and they make Max, you know, have these, you know, where he sleepswalks and has these nightmares. And he walks to the wing of the house that, you know, he shared with his wife, Rebecca. But, you know, that that's for visual effect, for visual haunting, you know, there are there are going to be differences when it comes to a movie versus the book because you're telling a story visually, whereas a book you have to do it all via, you know, words. You know, this is, you know, you reading it and you have to visualize it in your head, whereas the movie is doing all the visual work for you and you have to interpret it the way that they're wanting you to interpret it. But getting a little too carried away with the very fine details of it. I mean, there's a lot that they left out in the movie, like um, the Beatrice and Giles and Mr. Crowley and, you know, the getting to know the townspeople and or the estate people. Um, they don't really explain how in the movie that they Manderley makes all of its money for the fact that it's a large land estate that has, you know, like in Downton Abbey where the royal family makes a lot of money off of the tenant farmers and stuff that they have on their estate or in their county as they called it. Well, that's pretty much what Manderley is like. They have this huge large estate that they have div divided up and townsfolk and stuff work and whatnot and make the money and sell goods and stuff that are grown onto the property and stuff, but they don't explain that in the movie and they kind of touch base on it in the book and that's, you know, who Mr. Crowley basically is, is he's the, the right hand man to Max DeWinter to manage all of these different sources of income and goes over it all for him. But they, they don't really touch base on that. They skip over the fact that uh, Rebecca doesn't meet, or not Rebecca, God, see what I mean? She doesn't have a name. It's hard to pick a name for her. And just calling her the narrator is really difficult, especially since I just want to call her Lily James because that's who played her in the movie. But anyways, the narrator doesn't meet the grandmother until much later. Max isn't even there. She meets Beatrice, the sister, and her husband at this, the lunch that takes place. And then she meets the grandmother later on. Beatrice is the one that takes her. And, you know, the confrontation is kind of the same with the grandmother from the book to the movie. But, you know, the whole setting is different. Max isn't there. And Lily, James's character, isn't supposed to, you know, really ever explain that to him. Because, you know, she just kind of tries to not bring up Rebecca. She, she tries not to bring up Rebecca because... You know, it upsets him. And 
in the book, he's very distant. He doesn't talk a whole lot to her. They don't fight or argue all that much. She does feel like she's stepping on toes. She, you know, whatever. One thing I did like about the movie and the book that really matched is the way they describe and portrayed Mrs. Danvers. She is just as creepy and evil in the book as she is in the movie. But the ultimate thing was some of the big things I have trouble getting around is why they change certain things. Like in the movie, when she comes down the stairs for the big ball, she's in this red dress. In the book, it is supposed to be like a white sundress frock looking thing. I didn't even know what a frock was until this whole thing. And another thing in the movie is that Lily James's character has all these different outfits and whatnot. Well, in the book, she really only has this blue jumper frock thing. In the movie, they made this dress red. And I, I know it's probably a symbolism thing, it's supposed to be shocking and daring and supposed to elevate the effect that it's supposed to have on Max and whatnot. White is more of a color of innocence and shouldn't, he shouldn't have gotten all upset at a white dress. But it was what Rebecca had done with this same exact outfit before. And I think the red was just, you know, to have more dramatic effect because you're doing this visually instead of, you know, the book. That was just something that kind of irritated me. I was like, wait a second, that dress is supposed to be white. They made a big deal about this dress being white and from a painting or whatever in, in the book. And then they just turned around and made it red. Okay, and you know, bes besides the dress, it was how they ended the story. In the book, the, the book just ends, okay? They're coming back from trial and you know, the sky is illuminated. It's supposed to be 4 a.m. Lily James's character thinks that, you know, oh, well, this is awfully, you know, weird to have, you know, the sunrise at 4 a.m. And Max is like, that's on the, you know, wrong direction. <laughs> the sun's not, doesn't rise on that side. And he's like, that's Manderley. And the book just ends, okay? The, the book just ends with the house on fire. Does not say anything about the staff. It doesn't say anything about Miss Danvers. It never concludes how the house caught fire. Why it burned down. Okay? It never even alluded to the fact that the house was rubble in the beginning of the book. But in the movie, they actually give you some closure to the story. They, you know, all the house staff is outside. Everybody's safe. You know, everybody's you know, running around and whatnot. But they find Mrs. Danvers on a cliff and Lily James is standing there as she jumps off the cliff. They've concluded the story that Miss Danvers set the house on fire and then jumped off the cliff and died in the same waters that, you know, they found Rebecca's body. But the book, the book ended so abruptly. And I know, let's see, where in my notes? Okay, so I saw that everything was starting to get elevated about chapter 17. Yeah, that's almost all the way through the book. It's the last third of the book where it's chapter 20. All I wrote down was, holy shit. <laughs> Shit's hitting the fan. Oh my God. But that's also about the time that Max opens up to Rebecca about, well, not Rebecca, see what I mean? Uh, to the narrator about 
all the crap Rebecca did. How there was no love between them. It was, you know, she was deceitful, she was conning, she was an adulteress, she was vindictive, she was cruel. And all that stuff until one day he kills her. And all that. And then it goes to trial. And the trial, you know, you're sitting there like, how are they going to get out of this? You know, he killed her. He just admitted it to his wife. But ultimately, um, they do, they do get out of it. They spin it to where she had cancer. She was dying and she quote unquote killed herself. Well, I'm sorry. No, she didn't kill herself, but you know, they did, they did a better job at the trial in the book. I mean, it really grabs you like, you know, how is this going to be done this way? And it goes into how she stole the appointment book and all this stuff. And it, it's actually really gripping all the way up until the end, until the book just ends. And you're le left with questions. Like, I really hate books that leave you with questions at the end, especially when there's not going to be a sequel. There's no follow-up. There's no answers to be given. And I had to go through and flip around to see if maybe I missed something. Ultimately, in the end, I do believe the 2020 version made by Netflix was better than the book. I could actually sit through the movie without pausing it. I didn't even want to pause it to take my notes. I had to go back through and watch it a second time to do all the pausing and stuff. It was just, it was so much more gripping than the book. The book was so hard to get through. I, in this case, choose the movie. The other podcasts and stuff that I've listened to, they watch the Alfred Hitchcock, like I said earlier. And Alfred Hitchcock, I guess, did a very great job at following the book and all this stuff. So if you're looking for something that matches the book the closest, then the Alfred Hitchcock version is the version you'll want to watch. But if you're looking for what tells the story better, which one gets the point across, makes it more of a good story, it is the 2020 version on Netflix. And for anybody that struggles with reading or is looking just for a casual book to read, something that kind of grips you, something to read on a rainy Saturday, don't choose this book. This book is infuriating to, to try to read. It's difficult to get through the first half. The main person in this book, the narrator, doesn't even have a name. And there's just... It, it's really difficult to get through. But if you're looking for a compelling story, watch the movie on this one. Now, in most cases, most cases now, I won't be choosing the movie over the book. It just... It all depends. Like, if the book is really hard to get through, like this one was, I'm pretty sure even I would choose the Alfred Hitchcock. Um, the last podcast I listened to, they they loved the book. I don't see how. I mean, I read a lot of books, and I just could not get through the first half. I had four people up to be my co-host on this, and all four of them could not get through the first half of this book. And I'm just like, just hang in there, hang in there. Once you get to, you know, chapter, you know, such and such, it, it starts getting better. None of them could make it. I actually don't have my first edition copy of this book because I lent it out to the last person to read through to see if they would, you know, want to be my co-host. And they claim that I never gave them the book, but I don't have the book. It's like, where did the book go? They basically got rid of the book because they didn't want to do this episode. And 
honestly, I've recorded this episode so many times trying to find the best version to give this story some life, to give the author some credit, but ultimately this is the episode I came up with because it was just really hard to do. So I know that um, this probably isn't the best first episode, but I'm hoping you guys liked it and I'm hoping you guys stick around and listen to future episodes. I know the next one up on the docket is Queen's Gambit, so tune in for that one. And if you're wanting to follow us on social media, we are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And every now and then I even pop up on Reddit. If you'd like to support this podcast, we are also on Patreon. So tune in next time for us to review Queen's Gambit and some of the follow-ups. If you'd like to have a book to movie suggestion for us, um, you can email us at watchmorebooks at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in this time to listen to me compare Rebecca. And make sure to like and subscribe to us on whichever channel that you're listening to us on, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever, so that you can be notified the next time an episode is released. Thank you so much for tuning in.